You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. At Facebook Live, it's time again for Behind the Bar, produced by Zim's Vodkin Podcast Detroit. Today is Thursday, April 30th, 2020. And this is episode number four. I am one of your hosts, Bruce Carroll, along with uh, Terry Olson, the founder and CEO of Zim Vodka. How you doing, T.O.? I'm doing great, folks. Still quarantined in uh, Naples, Florida, but missing my Detroit crew. Well, I could think of worse places to be. Hey. Um, well, we have a very special guest today, and unlike her, I am not a trained broadcast professional. Um, and we're going to get to her in a moment, but before we get going, people always ask Terry and myself, what's behind the bar all about? And, and frankly, in a nutshell, the purpose is to have a conversation with someone in the restaurant business. And as you can imagine, they're all really interesting. But because of this COVID-19 pandemic, as you know, all restaurants have been ordered to temporarily close. So before we get started, we wanted to do a little shout out to our listeners and viewers on Facebook. Um, as you probably know, many are providing contactless delivery, curbside pickup, or carryout service. So if you're tired of ordering pizza or takeout from whatever, many restaurants are able and willing to serve you and help. And, and it'd be great to support your favorite restaurant or venue. So you might want to go to the web, look them up, see if they're providing any of this contactless delivery or carryout. And if you don't have a favorite place, we would encourage you to check out bestofdetroitnow.com where you're going to find a lot of great restaurants offering up some really tasty dishes and some real good deals. Um, frankly, I think now more than ever, um, the teams of chefs, cooks, servers, and bartenders really need our support. So, um, so we would encourage you to do that. But since all the restaurants are closed, uh, we contacted a friend of Zim's Vodka and asked if she'd like to be a special guest on Behind the Bar. Um, after some bribes, she grac graciously accepted, and she really has an attitude of gratitude because she's always making people happy. For those of you watching via Facebook Live now, you can see her, her beautiful smile and positive energy as she helps me and a lot of Metro Detroiters get motivated to tackle our day. So without further delay, um, please welcome the award-winning morning host of WDIV Channel 4 and Click on Detroit, Rhonda Walker. <laughs> Thank you. What a great introduction. Thank you so much, Bruce and Terry, for having me. I'm honored to be the fourth guest. I see the symbolism, Channel 4. So thank you very much. I'm excited to be behind the bar with you. Well, cool. Well, you know, Terry and I had a call the other day, and we're curious a lot about a lot of things revolving around you, your career, your charity, um, uh, your fitness, uh, which you're in fitness gear today, which is great. Yeah. So you let's start out about let's start out by talking about Fitness Friday because tomorrow is Friday, and you're going to do a segment. Is that right? Well, um, every Friday at 6 a.m. on Channel 4, I have a fitness segment that really just gives somebody like a quick workout they can do at home, or gyms that they can try. And since gyms are closed, I've had to get creative and do these segments in the building at work. <laughs> and so um, I just thought about some of the, the workouts that are extremely effective, but that you can do quickly. So like if you're home and you got the kids and you have Zoom meetings and you're working from home and being a mom, being a wife um, or a husband, um, it's a quick like 15, 20 minute workout you can do, get your heart rate going, burn some calories, build some strength and you don't even have to go to a gym. You don't even have to have any equipment or any weights. Things have really changed, haven't they, since this has taken place because people are getting creative. I know that um, myself and my wife, we've done some online yoga classes and uh, she's done some Zumba classes. It's it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but I think the weirdest thing that I've been doing because I miss sports is watching old Super Bowls golf tournaments, college games, NHL games. I'm like, 
I never thought I'd want to watch something that I already knew the outcome, but without live sports right now, it's like, I'm doing it. I remember for the masters, I watched it all weekend replays. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And the best part is, is, uh, is seeing them win again, but I only wish that Vegas would take a bet. Right. Right. <laughs> um, well, look, um, I know that you, Rhonda, originally met Terry some time ago, and I want to tell you, whatever you told him about the Rhonda Walker Foundation really resonated because clearly you won him over. And I want you and everyone out there to know that he and I take calls virtually every day asking to support a charity. And even though, look, they're virtually all very, very worthwhile, we can't support them all as much as we'd like. So can you share with our audience, how you met Terry? Um, I met Terry because we um, were sitting next to each other at a charity event that Sims was sponsoring. Um, I want to say it was probably about nine, eight or nine years ago, over five for sure. Yeah. And um, I knew who Terry was. I knew that he had a vodka company. And so I was very intrigued by that and had delightful conversation and at the time, I was hosting a golf outing for my charity. And what wouldn't be better than all of our guests at our outing being able to drink Zim's vodka while they play? <laughs> so, um, you know, when you have a nonprofit organization, you have to ask, you know, a lot of different people and companies if they'll help you out. Um, and sometimes that can be a little scary, but it was, it was very apparent to me that Terry was just a good guy that had a big heart. And, um, so I just went for it and I asked him if I could contact him and tell him more about the foundation and about our golf outing and, you know, ask him if he would support it by sponsoring the vodka. And he did not hesitate to say yes. So I am eternally grateful because that was several years ago. You still support us annually, Terry and Bruce. Uh, you come to the golf outing and I just could not be more thankful for your friendship and for your incredible support. It's been amazing. Well, you're most well, welcome. Thank you. And, uh, and you're right. Uh, it was a number of years ago. Uh, I remember the conversation like it was yesterday. Um, and there are, very, there are a number of charities that we get involved with, very special. Uh, we're also involved with like Detroit Dog Rescue, very near and dear to our heart. Um, you know, I was a big brother, big sister years ago. So that, that's important to me. Uh, Pal, you know, a lot of the local ones, I think, where we can, I wouldn't say we, we make a huge impact, but we can make some type of dent in the event to help people you know, enjoy and raise money and uh, and giving back in our community. And, and what you've done with these girls, um, you know, when Bruce mentioned we might have you on, I said, boy, you hit it out of the park because I'm sure her dance card is full, right? And uh, so we really appreciate you being here today. And, uh, and we're going to have some fun. We have some great conversation. People are going to learn a little bit more about us, more about you. Um, and then, you know, I don't know if Bruce is ready for this, but He's been my invitational partner for the last 12 years. I'm thinking about making a change, Rhonda. So, get ready. All right. <laughs> so. I, I'm telling you, we've been close, Rhonda, but we can't close the deal, and it's 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 been tough. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. Uh, this is our year, though. This is our year. This is our year. We, we say it every year. So, so Rhonda, tell, tell me a little bit about, uh, about you. First of all, we're going to be all over the map. There's no rhyme or reason where, um, you know, I, I think we just kind of flow this thing. But I don't know if many people know you. You're a pretty avid golfer. When I say avid, you're very good, right? I've seen your swing. I've seen you hit the ball. So give me an idea. Handicap. Where, where, where are you at? What's your number? Oh, yeah. I'm in the teens. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Hey, listen. Teens, I'm not exactly sure today, but um, That's okay. I, I love to play. I've actually, my dad, um, who you guys have met, he yeah. taught me to play golf. Um, yeah. Strategic for me as a kid, I just loved hanging out with my father. I have a brother and a sister, and I'm just a daddy's girl. And so I tried to figure out, well, what are the things that he does where I can get him all to myself? And he was an avid golfer. Yeah. And so I, I took up an interest in golf. But really, it was just to hang out with my dad. 
Um, but it stuck. And so that was kind of our activity that we did together. My brother and my sister weren't all that interested at the time. And um, we're still playing together to this day. My dad is 80 years old. He's still a really oh, good golfer. I've still awesome. never met him. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, you, that's where my yeah. passion comes from. And um, now I'm married. I married a golfer. Um, my husband, Jason, he is an avid golfer. We actually met at the Detroit Golf Club um, yeah. where we're both members and where we play. So I, I'm, I'm just a golf lover and happy that the governor um, is allowing us to play again. Yes. Thank goodness. Well, well, Chris and I have both met Jason and we love him, but if we had our choice, we'd rather play with you. Right. Uh, thank so. you. Um, he's yeah. really good. He's like a single digit handicap, maybe like mm-hmm. around five. So yeah. you probably have, I'm a little more fun, much less intense. I'll drink vodka with you and, and laugh. <laughs> a lot and I won't get upset if I miss any shots. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Now you're—I noticed you're a lefty. Yes. Are you, are you a true lefty? Yeah, um, I can do a lot of things with my right hand, but all of the key things that you know, writing, playing any sports, throwing a ball—all um, left-handed. P- pretty amazing. Um, not that this is important, but you know, I have—I have three children. My yeah. wife, myself, were all left-handed. That is amazing. <laughs> I have two dogs. When they ask for their treat, they ask with their left hand. Wow. That's crazy. And, and, and so um, I'm just amazed. And, and I had the chance uh, over the last couple of weeks, my son and his wife were down from Chicago. They came in for a weekend and stayed for about three weeks. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> That's so, how it works. <laughs> so we were fortunate to play some golf together, and he's a lefty, and uh he hits the, mo- the ball a mile like Jason, and uh, it was just fun to be together with him and, and be out there. So we had a great time. Um, I've noticed, Rhonda, over you know, following your social media, that when you get away, you do like to uh, to travel and you do like to get to golf destinations. Yes. So, so yes. Tell, us about, tell us about a couple of your favorite golf destinations. Um, we have two that we really like. One is Sea Island in Georgia. Um okay. Other is Stream Song, which is in Florida. It's mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. We flew into Tampa, drove. Um, we drove past all of like the different baseball cities where the guys play spring ball. I think Lakeland's one of the cities we passed, but beautiful yeah. resort there, but three incredible golf courses okay. that we walked. I do prefer riding in a cart, but that's just kind of what you do at Stream Song. So um, we loved it, though. I After three days, though, I was like, my legs are so sore. I'm done. I'm done golfing. <laughs> three days of walking 18 holes is a lot. But um, those are kind of two of our golf destinations. Sea Island, we've gone to a few times, um, usually in the spring. We try to, you know, go different places during the off season here in Michigan. Okay. And stream song, Bruce, it's on our list. We, we have to hit it. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Oh, yeah, um, it's good. Yeah, so, so we need to play that. Um, so tell me about the uh, the destination courses that you haven't played that you want to play. Um, I kind of leave that up to my husband. Um, whenever I, we watch tournaments on TV, I'm like, I want to play there. So there was one in Hawaii that looked incredibly difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, remember which one and then of course pebble beach he's played there um we've been there we got married in california so we went over to pebble after um and just watched you know from one of the restaurants the courses and it's gorgeous out there so we'd love to play uh at any of the courses um around the pebble beach area what's the other one is it cyprus that is one tough golf course to get on yeah i heard but i yeah. met Jim and he invited me really but- he might say that to everybody, but <laughs> <laughs> interviewing him for, um, you know, he was our parade grand marshal, the you yeah. know American parade grand marshal last year, and he was launching a new wine. He has a wine line, and um, I went to an event where he was like announcing that his wine won um, a very prestigious award, and so um, 
while we were there, we had a chance to, you know, just have some informal conversation. And it came up that he's a member there. I think he lives on the course or he lives in Pebble Beach area. He lives over there. Yes. And um, he's like, well, you be my guest. You should come. And so I told my husband, he's like, well, let's do it. I'm, I'm like, I don't have his phone number. And I was like, he may say that to a lot of people. He knows like all the famous sports athletes in every sport over the years and as a broadcaster yeah. so I'm like it might just be one of those things he says but it may not actually happen <laughs> wow. so yeah pretty places honestly actually here in Michigan um I I like um like just up north like Bay Harbor has those beautiful courses on Lake Michigan Arcadia Bluff on the west side of the state we love um so even just being in the state of Michigan we have great courses here too do yeah our season's just too short that's the only problem gosh i know one time i went to forest dunes which was a big group of ladies from detroit golf club and um we were it was like third week of september that should be safe right even even at forest dunes and ross common it should be safe it was miserable it was cold it was rainy i think it was like in the 40s I had never got, I'm not a cold weather golfer. So they wrap the entire golf cart in plastic because of the wind and how cold it was. And some of these ladies were already ready for that. So they had blankets and space heaters. <laughs> Me and my, my girlfriend, Wendy, who I like to play with, we were inside of our little bubble, like, oh, we were just upset. And, um, you know, we like to have a cocktail or two, but with this group, you know, we wanted to play well and be a little more serious and fight through how cold it was. And finally on the turn, I'm like, we need drinks. We're, that's the only way we're going to get through this. But it was, it was rough. It's a beautiful course. And I want to get back to it because I could tell it's the kind of course I really love. I love trees, but yeah. all we want is just miserable. Yeah. You know, Bruce and I um, have known each other 35 years probably. And I'm sorry, I'm dating myself now. But um, a lot of things that we have in common, uh, we've got great wives, great kids, we played hockey together, and we love to golf. So I, I can go back to some of the trips, and, and one was uh, Whistling Straits. He asked me if I'd ever played there. I said, no. He goes, come on, we're going to go play. We played Whistling Straits twice. Nice. Played, uh, Black Wolf Run. And, and that's a great Midwestern course, right? Now they've had Ryder Cup events there. It's just really cool. When you see a hole, and then Phil Mickelson is up there hitting from the, you know, close to where you came from, it, it just brings back a lot of really cool memories. So, so, so golf has become a very big part of, you know, what what we do, and you know, to uh, to get out and you know enjoy ourselves. I know yeah. it's the same thing with you, so that, that's awesome, absolutely awesome. So, um, I'm not going to ask you your favorite summertime drink because I'm sure. It's got vodka in it. But <laughs> let, me, let me ask you. Kind of, let me ask you a different question, Rhonda. I know with your schedule, and, and probably a lot of people don't understand, but give us your typical day. You know, for Rhonda Walker. So the hardest part of my day is waking up, because <laughs> as you know, if you have to be on the air, makeup and hair ready at four thirty in the morning. You have to get up really early at home. And so my alarm goes off five days a week at 2 a.m. And that's how my day starts. Gets to work about 3.30 and then we're on the air at 4.30 until 7 live. And then um, after 7, it varies. Like sometimes I'm shooting segments for the next day. Um, Sometimes I'm going out on interviews for stories that are going to air later that day or, you know, another day on the morning show. Um, Some days it's breaking news and we're, you know, doing live updates every half hour. It just, what I love about the job really is that it's always evolving. It's always different. No day is the same. Um, And then every other week I also anchor the noon newscast. So my typical day arrive at work at three 30 and I leave at 1230 in the afternoon, which is ideal work hours if you're a golfer in the summer. Yes. Not bad. It's not bad. So you're a real trooper then because I've seen you at events as late as 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, and I thought to myself, when does she sleep? She has to get up for work. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Wow. And 
I mean, that's the thing about it. It's like the hours allow you to be places all hours of the afternoon and evening, um, as opposed to a different work schedule. Like if I worked nights, I wouldn't be able to, you know, host a lot of events for charities, which is kind of a lot of places where we see each other. So, um, the schedule enables me to do a lot more, but it also, um, definitely depletes my sleep hours. And so there are some nights that my average is like four and a half hours, um, of sleep at night, but honestly, this kind of break and everyone's action, um, has, you know, kind of allowed me to look at what my life was really like. (laughs) Um, and then I did burn the candles at both ends and really pushed it. Didn't spend a lot of time at home. And so, um, for me, it's, it's been nice to just kind of scale things back and relax a little more, get a little more sleep, spend a little more time at home. So it's been good. I'm curious, are you a coffee drinker? Because I get up and watch you in the morning. I'm an early riser myself, and um, I've never seen you with a cup of coffee, so I'm suspecting that you're not a coffee person. So um, I'm not a coffee person, but I do drink caffeine in the morning. I just prefer it in the form of a tea bag. (laughs) And I coffee, but I'm more of like the novelty coffee person. Like I like to have it on the weekends with a splash of rumchata in it, say. So, um, yeah, I like the cutesy coffees, but you know, there are days if I had a late night sitting next to Terry at a charity event where I might just have a black coffee, but typically I I've always been into drinking different types of teas. Well, I know that you're a proud Spartan go green, go white. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that in, and of course I suspect your degrees in broadcast journalism, but really my question revolves around, did you like many others I've heard start in a small town and then move to Detroit or can you help our audience understand your, the process to get where you're at today? Um, in the broadcast journalism field, you move around a lot. I mean, the two um, guys that are on my show, um, Everett, my co-anchor, and also uh, Brandon, my my uh, meteorologist, um, between the two of them, they've lived in about 13 different cities. Wow. And so it's very unique that one could be born <laughs> in a city and actually work in the city, her hometown. Um, I was born in Detroit. I was raised in Lansing and I went to college at Michigan state, got my degree at Michigan state. And I was fortunate enough to start my first job in television in Detroit. Wow. And I started at the bottom, <laughs> kind of one of the entry level on air positions that you can have is a traffic reporter. And so my career path was interesting because right out of college, I didn't immediately start in television. Um, I, like some people, kind of get discouraged about the job outlook and you just kind of go after getting a job rather than what your true passion is. And so um, I always worked in sales and marketing as like my side jobs while I was in school, retail, that kind of thing. And I had an internship my third year in consumer food sales with General Mills. So I summer selling cereal and, you know, Betty Crocker cakes and frosting (laughs) 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 and Wheaties. And um, they offered me a job when I graduated. And so rather than trying to interview and find a job with a TV station, I took my little salary and my job offer and I started working for General Mills when I graduated. Really? Yeah. And about... Nine months into going in and out of grocery stores all around the Metro Detroit area, I said, huh, this is not what I want to do with my life. (laughs) But now I am a graduate. I have this incredible, um, you know, major corporation on my resume. So I need to just go and try and get with another Fortune 500 company, but maybe one that's not in consumer food sales. So at the time, the big booming job for salespeople was pharmaceuticals. So then I jumped ship and went to work for a pharmaceutical company doing, you know, pharmaceutical sales. I sold antibiotics and high blood pressure medication. I sold vaccines for kids in and out of hospitals and doctor's offices all across the metro area. And so 
One thing that I did a lot of is drive. I drove everywhere. I worked out of my car. And so in the back of my mind, when after a little while in the pharmaceutical business, I thought, I love the people. It's, it's fun, but this is not what I want to do with my life. And so then I was ready to really hunker down and figure out how now that I've been out of college for some years, can I convince a news station to hire me? (laughs) (laughs) And so it's funny because every, I just wanted to get my foot in the door and answer the telephone. And I literally tried at every station in Detroit. At the time there was channel 50, there was Fox two WDIV where I work in channel seven and nobody would give me the time of day. I knew one news anchor, Harry Harrison at the time. And I was like, please, if you could just get me, he was at channel 50. I'm like, I remember him. And I could not get my foot in the door. And so then I started doing um, like industrial film work and corporate videos and commercials. Um, And I did it actually while I still worked in pharmaceutical sales, but I did like some corporate videos for them. And because I just, I I loved speaking. I just wanted to use my voice. And um, so I really enjoyed kind of doing some of those things. And, and as I was in that industry, kind of the talent industry, um, the different agencies were aware of what my interests were. I'm like, if any of the TV stations ever reach out, you know, that's what I really want to do. And so, um, finally one did Fox two news was looking for a traffic reporter. And I thought that that was the voice from God. Like (laughs) I, was so confident because I'm like, there's hands down no one in this town that knows the roads better than me. I have been been driving them. I was driving them all. I knew them all everywhere. Back front. I knew traffic. Um, you know, when the peak travels were, I knew alternate routes. I knew how to go surface street freeway. I had it all. And so when I went in for the interview, I, I, and I was very skilled. It's different kind of in the, in the, you know, broadcasting arena. When you're interviewing for uh, fortune 500 corporate jobs, there's a different structure, different level of professionalism, a different level of preparedness to answer questions. And so I was a little different than, than my industry. Um, when I showed up in my suit and, you know, <laughs> and, um, I just sold myself, I sold myself. Like I was trying to sell a doctor, a hypertensive medication that I needed <laughs> to prescribe. And sure enough, they said, I'll hire you. And so I started off my first four years as the traffic reporter at Fox two and um, my contract was ending and I was kind of getting over just being the traffic reporter. I had done fill in weather. I'd done some reporting, but my main job was traffic reporting and I'd grown out of it. So um, I allowed, you know, kind of my agent to put some feelers out to see, you know, what other opportunities there are here in town and out of state. Um, which speaks to what you were saying, Bruce, how we move around a lot because you have to. Sometimes the the next job promotion is not where you work. There's only so many opportunities. There's only so many news anchors, so many reporter positions, so many meteorology positions. There's not that many in any one city. So to right. get to the next level, sometimes you have to leave you know, the city that you're in. And a lot of people want to, because like you said, there's smaller markets you might be in Lansing or, you know, up North or Petoskey, you know, Traverse City. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so for me, um, thankfully channel four watched me every morning. They were very familiar with my work. They'd seen me before. And so they reached out and I've been there for the last 17 years. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I love it. I mean, I'm so fortunate. I'm in the city that I was born. You know, my extended family is here. My parents live outside of Lansing. My brother, my sister are in Michigan. So it's just, it's great. I feel very, very blessed. That's well, you know, that's, um, that's a great story. And I certainly didn't know about it. And, and I'm sure a lot, not a lot of other people did either. But this is a great segue because one of my questions was, is, Good as you are, and we'll get into the awards and all the other great things that you've accomplished, but have you been approached or would you be approachable to a potential network position? 
Um, a lot of people have, have asked me about that. I have never pursued that. Um, I did get an opportunity to interview for Entertainment Tonight early in my career, and I was offered a correspondent job there. Um, at the time, it was um, a take it or leave it opportunity, and I was still under contract. And so, um, and it was interesting then, I worked for Fox, and they were owned by Fox and Rupert Murdoch, and um, and Entertainment Tonight was owned by Paramount Studios, these huge competitors out in the out. And so my desire to take that job went all the way up to Rupert Murdoch, me really? and my, my little traffic reporter job. <laughs> Um, he said, no, he will not let me out of my contract. (laughs) Wow. Either I was going to have to break my contract, which in my heart was unethical, um, to take this dream chance of a lifetime job in, in LA working for, you know, one of the, the best entertainment news outlets, um, in the country. Um, and I had to tell them no. And it was very difficult. And it's one of those things where I just didn't want to burn a bridge. And I thought, well, if I burn a bridge with Rupert Murdoch, that could definitely impact my career possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I just, and I, and it's funny because over the years I've always wondered, you know, what if I had taken that job, where would my life be today? What would my life look like today? Um, then I think, you know, maybe there wouldn't be a Rhonda Walker Foundation. Maybe I wouldn't have had the opportunity to impact the lives of so many kids here in the town that I live. And so I don't regret, you know, I'm one of those people that really think through my decisions and live with them. Um, but I, but I do sometimes wonder what, how my life would be different. Obviously I'd know every celebrity I'd be, you know, at Oprah's parties at her house. And, you know, I just think about where, you know, where my life would be today. I'd probably be really surface and petty and I'd probably have the Botox and weirdness. So probably, I'd probably be a vegan and uh, didn't drink really skinny. No, <laughs> uh, I'm thankful for the life that I have, but um, that was one of those opportunities that, that I had to let slip by. But since then, I, I really haven't pursued it because I've been really happy here. I work for great people and with great people and having a career in broadcast, broadcast journalism in Detroit, which is, you know, in the top 15 markets in the country is a good career. So it, you don't necessarily have to leave for something better in a New York or in LA or you know, a, a Dallas or Chicago or another big city, you know, we, we have a good sized city here and we're never short of news. <laughs> no, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, um, we know that you host or co-host numerous events like America's Thanksgiving Day Parade, the North American International Auto Show Charity Preview event and more. Obviously, you look like you're having a ton of fun when you're doing them. How did you get involved in hosting those and other significant events? You know, the opportunities have just come from the station. You know, they have given me those opportunities. When I started working at Channel 4, they gave me a chance to host our big events. And I love it. Um, it's kind of, you know, much different than than hosting our, our broadcasts, our newscasts every morning. So it's a great variety. Channel 4 is big on big events. And so um, it's fun to be a part of it. And um, I do love it. I am smiling. But I will admit, some of those parades are extremely cold. And when I'm not on camera, I'm like, <laughs> I'm freezing. I can't feel my face. <laughs> and then we pop in, hi, everybody. Hi, Detroit. Um, so I don't really enjoy being cold, which you probably have been able to tell now from my golf story, but, um, it's just fun. It's fun being a part of our community. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so sad that like, um, you know, we're going to miss some of our, our big events this summer. Um, the Grand Prix is on our air this year. So we had a lot planned, um, with the Grand Prix, uh, this summer and, you know, interviewing a lot of the race car drivers and, um, you know, we also host the fireworks in the summer. We have a big show on the rooftop downtown. And so we've already heard that that's going to be canceled or postponed. And then of course the auto show is going to be in the summer. So we were like ecstatic and, you know, really making big plans for our broadcast. So it's, 
you know, we're kind of bummed out, but you know, it's just kind of where we are right now. And we just have to look forward to next year. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, while we're talking here, we have a lot of people that have been asking some questions that they'd like us to ask you. And one of them was um, from Matt who asked, would you ever go back to evening broadcasting? Um, So he says go back to, because actually I did evenings for almost a year. I co-anchored with Ruth Spencer um, on our air. Um, One of our former news directors promoted me to evenings. It wasn't something that I saw it, but we had some movement in the evening news. And uh, actually Emery King, if you remember him. Of course. Station, yeah. So um, Emmy Award winner. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so I was offered that um, opportunity after he left, and um, I did that for about eleven months. And then what happens with new management is new management sometimes sees their people in different ways. And the news director that took over um, met with me one day and was like, "I want you to go back to mornings." And I was like, "That's a devotion, you know." Right. No, 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 no. You know, that's not what that is. We love you in the morning. You do such a great job. And I am a morning person. I mean, I've always been someone that loves to wake up early. And, um, you know, I just had to own that, you know, and own that, that that's a good, you know, time of the day that suits me. It suits my personality. And I did love it. And I honestly missed it um, because, you know, the evening news is just a different style of, of news delivery and also news content and having that balance and energy and personality that you can have in the morning. Um, I, you know, I really do enjoy. And so I don't think I'll go back to evenings. I think they really like me where I am, but if, um, that opportunity arose, I I would certainly take it. It is, you know, considered kind of a, a a promotion, if you will, kind of the more prestigious, um, uh, time slot of working in the, in, in the news business. But to be honest, like the news business has changed a lot, you know, people's work hours are a lot different and, um, the nightly news and kind of the morning news are, are really kind of a little more equal now. Um, and so I don't know, I enjoy doing mornings and I, I think that's where I'm going to stay. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, well, I haven't seen you interview Joe exotic or, um, or uh, Carol Baskin of Tiger King, but I'm sure you've um, uh, interviewed some notable, significant people. Um, is there any one or two uh, interviews that stick out in your mind? Um, one of the interviews that sticks out is the interview I had with Tiger Woods. And so I know you guys remember when we hosted the Ryder Cup at Oakland Hills and um, being a huge, huge fan of sports and golf and Tiger Woods, um, there's very few people that I get nervous talking to. I mean, it could have been anybody else, maybe just a handful of people. I might have some butterflies about interviewing and he was one of them. (laughs) That is cool. Yeah, it was really cool. They were um, headed to an event at the Fox Theater, and there weren't a ton of reporters, so it was very easy to just say, hey, Tiger, and he walked up to me on the other side of the rope, and we talked um, with his then-wife, and I will always remember it, but I also remember, like, all right, Rhonda, I don't care who it is. You got to treat them like it's your friend next door and not be nervous. (laughs) But it was really like, because when was... Ryder Cup wasn't that like oh six or that was no it was it was two thousand and three because it was supposed to be in two thousand and two but because of nine eleven they postponed it a year remember ah okay yeah oh, that was such an amazing event I went to that every single day I just loved it and bought up it, that's what they don't tell you about these tournaments is the temptation to buy every single thing you see there in those tents. Um, I remember I had like a different outfit every day because I was doing segments, like little golf segments, different things every morning for the morning show reporting from there. And every day I had on a cool, you know, visor, shirt, top, you know, accessories of Ryder Cup gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Terry, uh, well, my wife and I uh, took Terry and Kathy and we had a blast. Remember T.O.? I, I do. You know what? I, I love walking around. I love following those guys. And I remember specifically, you remember the Europeans, how loose they were? Yes. They were just chilling and fist pumping. And, you know, obviously I was voting for the Americans, but the Americans were just tight. And uh, like any athlete, you knew that these guys were just, the Europeans, it was their time without a doubt. 
And I think um, it's interesting you mentioned that because we finally did loosen up. Not that Ryder Cup, but (laughs) I feel like we've got some younger guys out there that aren't afraid to get the crowd into it and have some more fun with it. But yeah, they were pretty stiff. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty cool. Well, look, you're a very modest (laughs) and humble person. And uh, I'm going to talk about a few of the numerous awards you've earned. Including Ambassador of the Year from Ambassador Magazine, um, numerous community service awards, um, the Excellence in Media Award by Catch, the Salvation Army's Distinguished Service Award, the Gerald K. Smith Humanitarian Award for all your hard work on behalf of the Rodden Walker Foundation, and just last year, the National Association of Black Journalists Angelo B. Henderson Community Service Award. So, can you? Share with our audience what inspired you to create the Rhonda Walker Foundation and mentor any inner city young ladies. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. And honestly, a couple of the awards that you mentioned, um, Gerald Smith and Angelo Anderson, um, were both very dedicated community servants, and both of them have since passed away, but um, they're like kind of an inspiration for me um, of taking, you know, whatever platform you have, and it doesn't really have to be a platform, um, but just a passion to give back and really thinking big about the things that you can do. Um, And so it was an honor to get awards in their names. Um, Last year was just one of the most moving things because of all that they've accomplished. Um, For me, um, the Rhonda Walker Foundation is now in its 17th year. And years ago, yeah, it kind of blows my mind too. I'm like, wait, what? But 17 years ago, um, it was when I started my job at Channel 4. And so when I was between Channel 2 and Channel 4, um, I had to sit out of work for a few months for a non-compete clause. So because I was moving to a competitive competing station, um, I couldn't just pop up on the air at the other station the next day. I had to wait a few months. And so in that few months of time, I wanted to spend the time going and talking to kids in schools. And it was something that I was doing occasionally when I had time. You know, you get requests to come and be a guest speaker or a commencement speaker or redo a class. And I really wanted to target teen girls and just um, target eighth grade girls and talk to them about, you know, believing in yourself, about self-love and um, about being a leader and not a follower and, and you know, just um you know, kind of talking about choices and making positive, good choices and what happens when you make bad choices and, you know, picking your friends carefully. And so, um, I, I went to schools and had these discussions with these middle school girls and one of the schools, a girl, um, you know, we were having a big Q and a in this particular school. It was like all of the seventh and eighth graders. So it was a big group of kids. And she said to me, you know, Miss Walker, what do you do when nobody encourages you and your family puts you down and they tell you you're not going to be able to amount to anything more than them? And I want to do more with my life than, you know, what my family does. But I just feel like they're, they're constantly telling me I can't do it. And hearing that just, you know, like immediately you just want to grab this child and tell her, you know, there's nothing that you can't do, you know, and encourage her and, you know, help her see and help her, you know, goal set and help her plan and expose her to, you know, this broader world outside of her neighborhood and her family and what, you know, is possible for her. And so she was my inspiration. When I left that school that day, I was like, how many other kids in that in that school are, are in the same situation that they don't have positive role models and they don't have family members at best that are, that are encouraging them to be whoever they want to be and, 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 and helping them believe in themselves and telling them how great and how smart they are, you know, things that my mom and dad instilled in me growing up. And so I thought I need to do that for those kids. And it was as clear as day to me. It was a February day. I walked out and I actually looked up in the sky feeling that God was speaking to me. Like, this is what I want you to do with your life. You have a job that you love, you know, you're in all these things. You have a great family. You've had a great upbringing. This is what I want you to do with it. And, um, I've been on this journey that I really do feel is what God placed on, on my life and my heart is my purpose, um, for the last 17 years and, and whatever it requires to keep it going. Um, I'm willing to do. 
Well, you know, Terry, this is probably a good segue as it relates to talking about, unfortunately, because of this pandemic, um, we have supported the Rhonda Walker Foundation and we're, we were looking forward to another signature cocktail for everybody to enjoy. But can you give us uh, an update on what's going on with the golf outing? Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it one of your bigger fundraisers for your charity? It is the biggest. It is the most significant. Um, this will be our eighth year of hosting our Automotive Industry Golf Challenge outing. And, um, of course, you know how much um, the economy and businesses are being hit. You know, a lot of companies aren't making any money. Um, and, you know, plans are closed. And it certainly impacted our, our donor base. Um, but we had already started um, you know, promoting the outing. Uh, we had just kind of sent out sponsorship packages to our donors from last year, um, just a couple weeks before the shutdown happened. And so we got a few responses. We already have a title sponsor in Lear that have already made that commitment. And, um, and we just decided to take a pause. Like we felt like it wasn't appropriate to, you know, just be asking for money and donations and really, you know, this kind of not knowing what, it, everything is going to look like this summer, you know, will people want to gather? Well, you know, at the time, you know, even golf courses weren't open, so we just weren't sure. Um, but we are still planning to host our outing. Um, the original date is July 13th, but we're looking to push it back. Um, so we're working with Oakland Hills to see what other dates may be available. Um, we can move it back just a little later in the summer. Um, but we, you know, our outing is fun. Um, it is one of our most significant fundraisers of the year, and we've already realized that it, it won't be that this year. Um, but we still want to be able to bring our great donors together, if for no other reason, um, you know, to maybe a little over break even, but not, you know, kind of the the, the sizable um, donor support that we get annually. But we still want to see everybody. And I think, you know, one of the great things about our event is it's an awesome networking opportunity, particularly for folks in the automotive industry. And so they enjoy coming, seeing each other. You know, it's just a big party. We raise money for the kids in Detroit, but um, we also play on an amazing golf course at Oakland Hills. And it's a lot of awesome, you know, executives and CEOs and business people throughout the automotive supply base and Ford, GM, Chrysler, Toyota. So we just, we still want to be able to bring these people together. And even if it's just a round of golf, no big banquet, no auctions. And, you know, a lot of the things that we normally do, um, we're still really passionate about, about trying to find a way to still have that round of golf with everybody and raise a little money. For the nation. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Zim's vodka all day. <laughs> Well, remember a couple of years ago when we got dumped on and everybody hit the bar, uh, we almost drank them dry, but we had plenty of Zims. Yes. I, um, we, uh, last year, so we had to stop like halfway through because not only did it start raining, but it, uh, the power went out. <laughs> I remember. I remember. And what was so crazy is I thought, could this get any worse? <laughs> Nobody left. Everybody <laughs> We hung out, had a great time. We had a band, but we, the band couldn't play because there's no electricity. And one of the daughters of one of our um, golf, our, um, our executives from John Rogers, one of our VIPs, um, we had brought his daughter. He asked us, you know, she's um, an accomplished pianist. Um, she's in high school and he wanted her to play, you know, a song. And I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. She can play one with the band. Well, it turns out that was the only entertainment that we had. She had a entire song list for us. That was the only music we had. So, I, so that's the type of group we have. Like, no matter what the circumstances are, like they're just there to you know enjoy themselves, have a good time with each other and their peers in the industry. So, we want to be able to keep that you know that day going, and I think it's one that we're going to need by then. Yeah. Well, people make a party, and you made lemon. You made lemonade out of lemons that you were dealt with. Right. Do you remember the general manager coming out and saying, "Don't you people have homes?" Right. The power was out. The bartenders were standing there pouring drinks. No one wanted to leave. Literally, they did not want to leave. And as Bruce said, Rhonda, it's all about the people. And you know, our our business because we're across all industry, all different types of people. I mean, I love to sit down with an automotive exec one time. I'm not sure 
um, you know, his bosses would like that because I can't help him other than talk to him about vodka. You know, maybe we can play golf, but uh, it, it is a great group, and uh, we are excited to do again whatever you need us to do this year, Rhonda. So keep us in mind. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I can't thank you enough for your ongoing support. You guys have been amazing. Um, and not just for my charity, but I see the, the Zim's logo on a lot of different charitable events that I do, whether I see you at them or not, your presence is always there. So thanks for, you know, building up our community by being so supportive. Well, we, we appreciate that. And, you know, I, I think some people think that Bruce and I may have drinking problems, but <laughs> we're at these events. We, we literally, you know, our, our secret, and to people who are listening today, you know, we walk around with that glass with the ice cubes, with the lemon or lime, and 99% of the time, it's either soda, right, or tonic water. Come on! That's, well, it's just what we do, because think about our business, right? I mean, think about your business. If you were out partying till 1 o'clock every night, you think you're making that 2 o'clock bell? Not no. No. we're the same way so our, our life you know our, our business has got some crazy hours but um what you do Rhonda, which is what bruce and i are all about we love what we do we meet some great people uh we've got some great stories i've got a pseudo little book going and whenever we get a great idea i go all right new chapter this is going in the book it's going in the book and uh so, you know, we're just, uh, we're so pumped up that you're able to spend some time with us here today. Um, any pets? Dogs? Any pets? Oh, so I'm allergic to animal fur. Oh, so I've never had a pet. And okay. the way I found out was we were younger. My dad always had dogs and yeah. brought home a dog from the Humane Society. Okay. And mother and I were like, ka-choo! Uh, no we wanted to live in the basement don't get rid of the dog Um, yeah okay wow and i do not have any dogs or or cats any animals in the house okay oh wow Wow. that's interesting and you know what else is interesting is when you have an allergy like that you have to you know if you get invited to someone's home for an event or to watch you know sports or dinner party my first question has to always be do you have any pets (laughs) to pump my body with you know a little zyrtec or claritin for a couple days before i go so there's a way around it but i just have to be on allergy medication wow yeah yeah can't just be spontaneous i can't just show up because most people do have pets yeah and when you enter the door they usually jump on you exactly Well, look, you know, we could probably spend another hour here. Um, uh, I, look, I, I, I want to wrap it up in a moment, but I do have a question. And that is, do you have any other hidden talents? Like, are you a singer? Can you play a musical instrument? You... No, but you know what I'm very good at? I'm a performer. So um, I like to sing, but I don't have the voice for it. So I'm more of a lip syncer. Um, but a lot of dramatization and a really good stage performance, but I cannot use my own voice. I prefer the the tracks from the actual artist. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. And- I have hidden talents. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't sing. I don't, I don't have, I don't. Yeah. It's, I just, I'm a talker. That's my talent. Well, you're really good at that. I mean, there's no question about it. And and I guess I'd have to ask, because, um, you know, my wife is a pharmace- biopharmaceutical rep. So, you know, she's been doing it for 30 years. And and so I know the drill you used to go through. But um, if you weren't a broadcast journalist, what do you think you would be doing today? I think I'd be a teacher. Really? Yeah. I really do. Um, it's funny when I was younger, um, I used to pretend to be a teacher and my parents thought for sure this child is going to be a teacher. I would, um, have lesson plans. I'd have a whole roster of kids that I did attendance with that were in my pretend class. Um, I graded papers. (laughs) It was rather hilarious. Um, but I've just, I just have this passion for kids and whenever I go to a school, um, you know, for a school visit or whether it's reading month, we do a lot of school visits during reading month. And now I have a segment called the brag book where I know it. 
Yeah, I feature um, just outstanding kids that have excelled in anything from entrepreneurship, community service, academics, sports, overcoming obstacles, and feature these kids weekly on our newscast. But then I was also going out before schools closed and surprising kids with the recognition. And I I just love being around kids. I love being around their resilience and their you know, just desire to learn and their innocence and, you know, just to try to, to influence them to reach beyond themselves, beyond their own limitations and to encourage. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just something that I have a passion for and I'm able to do it through the foundation, um, which, which I'm so thankful for, um, and with support like yours and all of our other sponsors that help you know, us be able to realize the work that we're able to do with these kids. But I always say whenever I leave a school, I'm like, man, I love this. I, I would love to be a teacher. I don't even know. I was, I mean, I struggled in school. Like I had to work really hard. It wasn't just one of those automatics. Um, so I just think like, well, what would you teach? So I'm thinking like maybe like theater or forensics or acting or science or math I'm in trouble maybe English or maybe just a journalism class that's it I'll be a journalism teacher there, there it is you go. There I can still do that probably so, so on that stage in my life <laughs> I think it was last year um, you had an event downtown Detroit and it was in a building and there was like a bank vault the dime building the dime yes. building um, and I tell you what, it you, you know we on any given night during normal times, we're like you probably get invited to three or four different events, and it's just hard to be every place every time. So someone's always like, "Why didn't you come to my event? I, I missed you." But what I remember about your event was the army of support that you had with your volunteers, and they when you came in the room, it was like. Wow, she's here. And, and it was really cool to watch that because you could see their passion um, and even the young girls that were there that, that you, you, you didn't force, but I think you asked them to get up and say a few words. And a lot of them were probably nervous, but they did it. And it was pretty cool to watch that. So I have to tell you, it blew my mind to see you there. Thank you so much. Um, the event was um, our, our kind of our celebration of my uh, 20th year in Detroit television (laughs) and the 16th year um, of the Rhonda Walker Foundation. And we wanted to just invite our longtime donors and sponsors that have been with us over the years just to come, you know, for a cocktail party. And um, you guys were gracious enough to provide the Zim's vodka. Um, But it meant so much to me that you were able to make the time to come and, I, I, I was going back and looking at some of our pictures because I wanted to share on social media that we were talking today. And um, and that was one of the ones that I just said, wow, you know, they showed up. They came, um, both of you. <laughs> so that really meant a lot to me. And you're right. You know, part of the Rhonda Walker Foundation is kind of taking kids and putting them in situations where they are terrified, um, but to show them that they can do it. And so I often will tap on them and they know it's coming at some point. Um, that they're going to be asked to public speak. And so we work on it. And then once they do it, it's like the doors just open and they all of a sudden have this newfound confidence. And especially when you're able to do things like that before adults, um, it's just really empowering and amazing to see, you know, their growth. Yeah. Well, that's what helps us mature and evolve and grow, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, Terry, we probably have to wrap it up. So um, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for your time and your undivided attention. Um, you know, like Zim's Vodka, Rhonda Walker, you're pure, you're authentic, um, you're positive, and you have a great story. So um, uh, if anybody out there is inspired by hearing Rhonda's story, I hope that you'll uh, go to our Zim's Vodka Facebook page and maybe make a donation because it truly impacts young young ladies. She does a remarkable job. Um, I can honestly say everybody um, on the Zim's Vodka team, I can't speak for Terry, but I think he echoes my sentiments. Uh, uh, we love what you do. We wish you continued good luck, good health, and success both personally and professionally. Thank you. And I should thank you also for the wonderful wedding gift that you gave me. 
We're going to pop the bottle on that for our one-year anniversary. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> well, very good. Well, that's, <laughs> that's coming up. Yeah, I know. The whole world has changed. I'm like, wow. I'm, I'm so thankful that we were able to have our wedding. I mean, so much happened. Like um, the California wildfires were like a month later. Um, and then uh, now, I mean, you know, no one knows when they can make wedding dates. So we were just really thankful to be able to have that and and to also have, you know, your your generous and kind well wishes. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. What do you say to you? Are you going to you going to take us out? You know what? Listen, give, give our best to Jason. Uh, I, we miss both you guys and, and can't wait to get back to normalcy, whatever that is. But uh, we know when you're with your friends, um, that's normal enough for us. So uh, thanks for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, guys. Stay safe, stay healthy, and hope to see you this summer. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.